0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Gascast podcast. We're five games into the new season and Rovers currently sits 22nd in the League 2 table. Not quite the start that many gas heads were hoping for, but it is early days. I'm Max Alderson and here with me to assess the ups and downs of the past few weeks are Tom Metcalf and Nick Weeks. How are we doing, lads? Gravy.
1: Eh? Yeah, all good, thanks.
0: So, it's been... A turbulent couple of weeks at Rovers, a 4-1 defeat at Exeter City, followed by a 1-1 draw away at Barrow. Um, But there has been a slight uptick of of optimism after a 2-0 pizza trophy win against Cheltenham Town last night. Um, I guess we go through game by game um, in chronological order. um, Talk about the highs and lows of the past couple of weeks and uh, what we make of where Rovers are and how we started over the first five games, like I've said currently 22nd in the league, but um, yeah, let's get your thoughts on it. Mets, you were at Exeter for the 4-1 defeat, an abysmal start, 4-0 down in 23 minutes. Um, What went wrong?
2: Yeah, so Exeter was, uh, I think for me, an unexpected one because uh, we recorded the pod uh, that week after we'd beaten Oldham and we had that first half against Oldham was just fantastic and I was getting really optimistic about you know seeing the players starting to gel and all that kind of stuff but then we came to the Exeter game and it's like they'd never met each other before it was absolutely mental um obviously not started I mean going one nil down almost straight away didn't help but the signs were already there um you look at the specifically the wing backs. I think Anderson and Rodman I think Rodman had a bit more about him going backwards. He was, he was getting skinned every time by their, their winger. I'm not going to try and help him out there at all. But Anderson was absolutely non-existent on the left completely. So just what well, crosses were coming in constantly and it just caused no end of problems. And I think for me, one of the things, and I did, I did raise it in the last spot about Hughes. I've, I've still got huge reservations about him because I went and I, I you know, I had to watch the replays of the exit of goals. And he's meant to be in that kind of like central commanding, you know, sort the defence out. He's meant to be that experienced head. And he was found wanting for quite a lot of it. And I think that is pretty much where it stemmed from for me, you know, for the through the rest of the team was, wasn't great. But f- for me, it was massively a defensive calamity. And I don't blame the people who left after... 23 minutes there were people walking out and i really really don't blame them normally a, a four nil once you're four nil down you're never coming back anyway so fair play to the people who who stuck at ang i mean they had a chance at four 0 to make it five and that was my kind of own personal one where i was like if it gets to five before half time i'm probably going to go to the pub and you know luckily or unluckily it didn't happen and then once it stayed past halftime, I was just like, do you know what, I'm going to stick around for what reception Joey Barton gets because it, it wasn't pretty at half time, and I think half of that was booing the players, but I think a fair bit of it. I heard some specific shouts at Barton in particular um, and then full-time, I think by the time full-time rolled around, a lot of the anger had just kind of dissipated. Like A lot of people had let their feelings known at halftime and through the second half and I felt, I felt really bad for Belshaw because he was, you know, the away end at Exeter. You're only about five metres away from the goal. I just felt so bad for him because he could just hear it in his ears the entirety of that first half. Um, I'll let someone else have a go at talking because just there's so much that we can say about that Exeter performance that just none of it was good enough. Not not one bit of it.
0: Yeah, it, it did just feel like from the first minute, the, the minute when we went 1-0 down, I just felt like it was game over at that point. I just, I, I had no faith. I mean, I didn't go to the game, but I was sat at home um, and it came up on the Sky Sports ticker three minutes in Matt J scored. And I thought, well, that's it then. We, I just couldn't see us having the character to get back in it. Like I, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't, I just never had any faith that we'd come back. And as soon as it was two nil, I was like, well, that's game then. And it was, you know, 15 minutes into the game, two nil up. And I thought game over. Um, and, you know, Looking back on Rover's teams of past, I never would have thought that. You know, I thought Never Say Die. A lot of Daryl Clark's teams would have, you know, stayed fighting for it. But yeah, it, it did just look like a complete collapse, Nick, after that, those first couple of goals.
1: Yeah, it, I, I agree with what Met's was saying about with um uh, Rodman um and Nick Anderton as well, where they struggled that game. Um and it was a concern that me and my old man said in the way end when he seemed to shoehorn Coops back into the team. Um, and it seemed, especially when the second goal went in, I was looking at the players and, you know, you had Coops, Grant and Finley all looking at each other, saying, you know, what's going on? And I, they all seem to be too similar for me. They just want to sit there in front of the back four and they're all getting in each other's way. You know, um, defenders union, I always blame the people that are in front of me. <laughs> so the midfield three in front of me, um, I would have been looking at personally. But yeah, like you say, normally when we go 2-0 down. And you know, we're thinking, you know, get one before halftime and we're back in it. But it never, ever looked like we were, you know, we were getting back into it. The players looked confused, like they'd never played together before, you know. And, and you know, we were saying 10, 50, 10, 15 minutes before kickoff. The atmosphere in that away end, Metsu agree me, Grumi was absolutely superb. And it, there was that real good, feel good factor again. And that was gone by five past three. Um, and And like you said, the anger was all gone by full time. I stayed till full time. Um, because my old man was there. If my old man wasn't there, I'd been off to the pub with the rest of them. Um, but as always, football got in the way of a good day. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was man. a good
2: day, apart from apart from the football. The only kind of small positives I can kind of pull out from the entire game is Sammy Nix got some minutes. Um, Finley obviously sco- scored. What another another day would be an unbelievable goal, but actually it didn't matter. It was a hell of a finish, but also the kind of first flashes from Pittman. Um, I haven't really seen a lot from him since he, since he joined, but he had a goal disallowed for offside where the board kind of come across. He was on the edge of the area. He really oddly for such an experienced striker and how good he is really clumsily dropped it down to the floor and then just smashed it bottom bins on his left. And I was like, all right. Yeah. If, if he can finish like that, like deadly like that, then, we're not going to really need to have him run around just giving the ball in a good area and he's going to, he's going to finish, but yeah, overall an absolutely dreadful performance.
0: Yeah. Pittman. um, I thought Pittman was quite bright at um, at Barrow and the chances he had. I mean, he's never going to be one of those players that gets involved in everything. He's just kind of waiting for chances to come his way. Um, So it does look like for 90 minutes, he, he does very little, Um, but he had a brilliant chance in the first half where a cross came onto his head. And I just saw his his positional awareness was just brilliant he he walked the defender to the front post and then pushed off to the back post as the cross came in and he had ten yards of space free header in the box to score and he headed it down into the ground which which you should always do as a center forward it's the it's the hardest thing for a goalkeeper to save and the keepers just pulled off a brilliant save um and it you know just stuff like that you can just see there's a player who's got two hundred plus. 250 plus uh, football league goals and he just knows how to score. So if we can just sort the midfield wing backs and kind of get that team cohesion right and actually start creating chances and putting balls into good areas, I feel like Pittman could, could and should score a fair few goals at this level. Um, I do want to stay on Paul Coots. it um, has been a player who's, I, I don't think a lot of fans have been entirely convinced by him, Nick. Um, you said he was quite anonymous uh, and confused about what his role was at Exeter. Um, I found the same at Barrow when he came on as a substitute, he just was doing five yard passes and not much else. Um, what, what are you looking to see from him? Um, what are you looking for him to improve on?
1: You know, yeah, I think you're right. You, you did look a little confused at Exeter, and, like you said, at Barrow, I didn't see the Barrow game, but um. I think the stuttering start hasn't helped him. I think he mentioned it in one of his interviews. Um, he said, you know, you know, getting sent off, um, you know, it is it, you know, didn't have the best of pre Um, he's such an experienced player and you know, higher up the leagues as well. But I think his role is going to be sat there in front of our defense. I think that's where he wants to be, and you can tell that's where he's trying to sit. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, maybe of a couple of the new signings and some of the, the, the other signings that we made, that there might be people in front of him. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I don't think we're often going to play a three. I think he wants to play the three, four, three rather than the three centre midfielders. I think that's where Joey's going to, I think that's where we've looked our best as well. I think it's too congested in now with the three. Um, so I think he's in there just to keep it ticking over, um, and I think that's what his role is going to be. I mean, he doesn't—he isn't a, a scorer of goals or anything like that. He looks like he's going to break it down and and give it to someone more creative. Um, and we haven't seen that yet. And I think the start and start to the season for him personally has coincided with ours. So It'd be interesting to see once he settles down, and gets three or four games under his belt, you know, what he's actually, what his role is actually in the team.
0: And it does look like we are probably going to stick with that 3-4-3 formation with a midfield two. Um, and I, it does feel like Barton's trying to shoehorn him in because he's the captain and he sees him as probably the highest quality centre mid. But I think Sam Finley and Josh Grant have really struck up a, a strong partnership. They seem to complement each other really well, Mets. What have you made of them as, as, as a two? Because they played the most minutes as a pair
2: in this formation so far. Yeah, um, OK. Um, I've I've not I've got more excited about Finley so much more than than Grant. He does look like that kind of yeah break up plays. I mean the Cosvlogs guys <laughs> described him as a League two Gerard, and i have not seen it yet. But you know you never know with maybe a few more games under his belt. But very much a yeah break up play win and drive on. Rod uh, Rodman Grant. I mean, Joey's come out and said that his best position is right-sided, right-sided, centre-back in a three. So, I can't see him being in the midfield at all this season. I think he'll, he'll end up moving him back or just not getting in the team ahead of um, someone else. So, although I, I'm not seeing this this relationship, I've got to be honest, I'm not, I'm not seeing it at all. So... Maybe Finley and coots when when Coots came on against Barrow, actually, I think I could see a little bit more relationship there because obviously they've played together before, so that's what obviously Joey wants to do, like you said, he's shoehorned in Coots a few times, and I think that's the way it's the the way it's going to go.
0: yeah, I just thought at Barrow um they played very, very well together, and from, from the Oldham game, which I watched on iFollow, they they just complemented each other quite well with uh, Grant winning the ball. And then um, Finley driving on, so it's just something I've I've spotted and something I want to keep an eye on. But it does look like, like you said, based on what you he said, he's probably gonna shift Grant into the back three, and then have it looks like Glen Whelan or Paul Coots alongside uh, Sam Finley, maybe even Zane Westbrook, as we'll probably go on to talk about later on in the episode um, as well. Um, so the one-one draw with Barrow, first half um, we played very well, in my opinion. I I made the long trip up, uh, had a weekend in the Lake district with my dad Um, did a great bit of hiking. We hiked um, scaffold Pike in the morning and then drove over to Barrow for the game. And we said, whatever happens, we're not going to let the football ruin the day because we've had a brilliant morning. And uh, I went in with no expectations and I was still disappointed. (laughs) That just sums up Bristol Rovers, I think. Um, Yeah. Second half. um, Sorry. The first half we played very well. And I think we showed the team that we could be if, if we keep developing and growing we showed like glimpses of, of this this vision that Barton obviously has for us and it worked. I and mean, we when we went one-nil up um, and they had 10 men, I was thinking we're gonna have a good good day here. We're gonna score two or three and we're gonna probably come into the forefront and, and show this league what we're about. But the red card kind of almost played into Barry's favor. They scored a, a bit of a fluke goal. It was a deflected cross which landed on their striker's head and he did a kind of looping header over the goalkeeper. Very strange goal um, out of nowhere. And then they to have time with 10 men. It was level and their game plan in the second half was just so much stronger than ours. And I think I said to Nick before we started recording, um, I would rather have played them 11 v 11 second half than 10 v 11. Um, because I think that just suited them a lot more to kind of sit back and then hit us on the break. Um, second half then, you know, if, Nick, do you think it was just bad tactics from Barton or lack of a creative spark that didn't see the breakthrough for us?
1: Um, like I said, unfortunately, I wasn't there, but um, managed to listen to it and, and get everybody's thoughts on it that, that were there. Um, it's probably the lack of creativity at the minute and understanding between the team. You'd like to think that scenario later on in the season, um, we may have more more options and more cohesion to break teams down like that. I mean, it's, it's probably worse going to a side like Barrow that you don't expect to be there or thereabouts. that you know, they look like they're going to get a point against us and they're going to dig in. You know, other teams might be tempted, or teams higher up the league would have been tempted to maybe come out us and maybe try and get a result whilst we're vulnerable as well. Obviously, Barrow, it sounds like they were happy to sit in and, and made it difficult for us. Um, I did see their chance when they hit the bar. I think we would have been having a different conversation if that went in. If we would have lost that, I think would have got quite toxic looking at it from the outside. Um, but probably, yeah, I'll put that down to lack of creativity, I think, and just, you know, have we got many ideas at the minute? Um, you know, we discussed again before before we started recording, you know, are we going to be a one-trick pony where we want this number nine where he's going to stick and get runners around them and have this three at the back? That's my only worry. Are we going to be able to change it when needed to make a difference? Um, and is Joey going to stick with his guns no matter what? I think sometimes you have to your game plan goes out the window when you play against 10 as much as it does for the other team as well. So I agree with what you said. 11 against 11, your game plan's still in play. Um, so yeah, maybe later on in the season or with some, you know, like we're going to talk about later on, a couple of our new signings, we may have been able to open, open them up, which unfortunately we didn't. And it might be a good point at the end of the season. You never know.
0: Yeah, we just didn't change our game plan at all. and It, it just felt like um, Barton just was had, had no plan for if they went down to ten as you know i think a, you know a, a top manager would have trained for playing against ten you know switch to four at the back put more men in the midfield overrun them win the ball and get more balls into the box but we barely got across into the box second half really and it, what frustrated me most was we had a fantastic final three four minutes in injury time and that's always the way because you know they sit deeper and deeper and we can push higher and higher but it just always feels like why are we only trying with three minutes to the missile until the whistle? Why, why like for, for 40 minutes, did we do sod all and not, not keep the ball and look after it very well? Just a very, very frustrating second
2: half. Um, but let's Maybe. get a little
0: bit more, um, positive. Sorry, Matt, do you want to say something before I move yeah, on?
2: I do. Um, cause I managed to watch the, the game. Um, don't ask me how, what it seemed to me in that second half is it was almost a Ghana performance we'd knock it around the centre backs and then lump it and we'd lose it because it was always going out to Anderson on the left and he's not a, he's a wide lad but he's not a tall lad he wasn't winning any headers and then we'd get frustrated because or well, the players would get frustrated because we haven't gone anywhere we weren't moving the ball quick enough and the only time when we actually looked threatening is when Thomas come on and we started playing quickly to feet and that was when we had our best spells when we had all those corners right at the end and you know we could nicked it but before that we didn't do anything to go and win it i don't i don't kind of blame the players i blame barton because you think you're against 10 they're gonna sit in that's just a given so you need to bring on a thomas or a spence or whoever that kind of player who can unlock a defense you need to get them on as soon as possible in my opinion instead he brought coots on which is bizarre absolutely bizarre so that's where I kind of lay the blame on that one. And I think they, I mean, they had a good shout for winning the game. Like you said, Nick, like that, that won the game off the crossbar. Wasn't there any chance, but an unbelievable chance. And yeah, the, the meltdown would be in absolute full swing if we'd uh, chucked away that. Yeah. I do sympathize for, for, for
0: Anderson because he's been playing left wing back and he's, he's right footed and right wing backs his, his favorite position. It does feel like he's just. I think he's done very well considering he's he's been put there in in absence of um, in absence of Trevor Clark. Um, it looks like we we've obviously brought in cover now in Junior Brown. Going to talk about him in a bit. Um, so hopefully that means that Anderson can get on that right side and, and be a bit more of a natural influence um, on it on his favoured side. Um, yeah, without all the doom and gloom, I know I've I've in particular, been singled out for being overwhelmingly negative on Twitter. Um, (laughs) So I'll I'll try and keep things a little bit more optimistic and talk about last night's win. It was a cup game, a pizza trophy. Um, I was kind of looking to see how strong or weak that Cheltenham side was last night, uh, that we beat 2-0. It was quite hard to say. I think similar to us, it's mixed bag. They've got players who they're trying to get minutes into. They've got a couple of younger prospects in there and then they've got a core of first-teamers. So I think it was a pretty... I don't think you can say, oh, we've just played their kids and beat them. I think it was a pretty even matchup um, and, and a well-deserved win by, by the looks of it. Um, two nil, two goals in two for Sam Nicholson and two goals in two home games for Harvey Saunders. Uh, Nick, you pleased with that? Any win, we need any win we can get at the minute, surely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, my, my initial thoughts of it straight away, it's a, it's a lift to me. I was like, oh, that, that's good. You know, and, you know, it's, it's quite funny, isn't it? You know, no one cares about the pizza trophy until you need a win and you get one or you get close to Wembley. Um, and, you know, and Sam Nicholson said in his interview afterwards, you know, that's going to give the place a lift. The training ground is going to be a better place to be. Um, you know, and then it's all about building on that and getting it, you know, in, in for Saturday um, and hopefully giving it a bit of a feel-good factor because you just know if we would have lost that game, again, everybody's going to be, you know, on Joey, on the team. There's going to be a meltdown on Twitter. You know, all the players read it. The manager definitely reads it. You know that for sure. Um, you know, so it's important to get the win. Um, two good goals as well, I thought. I thought the first one, you know, it's a great header by Sammy Nicholson and um, a great ball in um, and looked well built. And, you know, Harvey Saunders, he's a different player out wide, isn't he? Coming in from the flank there, definitely looks more natural to him than being a number nine. I thought it was a really good finish with his left foot as well. So it can only breed confidence. And it's just not a feeling of scoring goals and winning games we just haven't had for so long. And it lit. I don't think he can do us any harm at all. Not at all.
0: No, absolutely. And, and there's a player who's actually probably surprised me. Most out of all of them has been Harvey Saunders this season. Um, he's kind of a striker I thought we brought in. And I thought, is he really any better than James Daly? Is he just kind of a like-for-like, fourth-choice striker who you kind of Bring in off the bench or in the cup games, but he's he's a really good option. Um, he came off the bench against Barrow, and um, Sam Finley played a ball over the top to him, and he he burst through into the box, brought it down first time, and tried to take it around the keeper, and he was so unlucky not to slip it under the keeper and, and score the winner at, at Barrow. And he just gives us an, a, another kind of option that that we don't have. His pace is unbelievable, and uh, that was a really nice tricky goal for him to score, weaving into the box and then a, a good powerful shot into the into the far corner. The big question is where where does that leave the number nine position? Um, we had a, we had a message in on Twitter saying, "Do you think this formation and style of play will suit Brett Pittman and slash or Leon Clark
2: when they're playing as our only number nines, Mets. Yeah, I think so. That's certainly how Barton wants to play. Um, he he spoke about it in his in his post match saying, "You know, Leon Clark especially gives us that platform, and he always talks about that platform, the number nine, the centre point." And then you can play off them. I don't think Pittman's really had much of a well, much of anything to work with so far this season. Um the games he's played, he's 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 looked alright, but he's barely got any service or anything like that. So the more they play together, obviously, the more understanding. Um and yeah, like like you said, if if you're a striker, you're a clerk, you're a Pittman, and you're looking, you've got your back to goal, you've got options there, you know, Sammy next is a fantastic option to have running off you. So Saunders, so um, Thomas, you know, you, there's quality just in that kind of like almost number 10 or, or wide forward position. And then obviously as a number nine, you're expecting to kind of score goals yourself. So I think when it does click, because it does feel like it's kind of, it's all a bit up in the air and you know Buttons obviously said a few weeks before you know players gel and all that kind of stuff and obviously new faces in the door I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic that it can kind of come together the first few weeks of the season I, I felt utterly despondent but now I'm kind of coming round to I can I can see what's coming together and I'm, I just hope it works Um and having a solid number nine is, is a massive massive part of what Spartan's trying to do. Yeah. I,
0: I, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Leon Clark and I, I, I couldn't tell you if he comes deep and, and holds up the play or if he kind of hangs on the last man or not. Um, but if he has been brought in as the number nine and that's his role, um, hopefully he can have a good influence. And if not, you know, I, I actually have a good bit of faith in Aaron Collins to kind of maybe play that center forward role. I think he's really good. Technically wins a lot in the air. His control is brilliant and he just seems to find good space Um you know, I like to think if if Pittman and and Leon Clark aren't doing the business, then um, then Aaron Collins can kind of maybe play in that role. Feed in the likes of um, Saunders and Nicholson either side of him. Um, yeah, I mean we have got options now. Um, it does feel like we have kind of been lacking that extra striker. Nick, you said you, you you still don't think you still don't think we are complete as a strike force. You'd like maybe another striker in because Saunders you see more of a, as a wide man.
1: Yeah, I, I just think we're. I'm probably being a bit greedy because we have got good options for a front three. Um, like I said, I, I'm just conscious of the fact that we haven't got the plan B. Um, I think we just want that you know, it'll either be Clark or Pittman, I think, and then it's going to be you know, the other guys around them, the runners around them. Um, you know, we we weren't linked with many strikers, and like Joey said, there wasn't many out there. Um, the ones that we were linked with, you know, like Ellis Harrison, things like that, I made it public that wasn't. Overly delighted we were linked with him. I wouldn't have been overly excited if we signed him, but someone along those lines, a bit more of a runner. Um, I don't think Leon Clark, um, from bits and bobs, I saw him at Shrewsbury last year, and I'm not sure he's a, a runner. He, he used to be. He used to be able to move. Um, and Pittman you know, definitely isn't a runner anymore. So it's it was just that plan B for me. But um, I think we definitely got more options than we had last year, looking at it, looking at the options we've got going forward. And... When you look at a, a success of a transfer window, a track window, of good. Have we got more options than we did last time? And I think we have. So, um, but like Matt says, I'm, I'm coming around to it. I think there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, um, and you know, and hopefully they can. We get a core of three that build a relationship together, and we we'll, we'll get our first choice from three, and then have the options off of them um, that, that hopefully change the game that way.
0: Yeah, and another option we brought in is uh, Anthony Evans, um, former Everton youth player. Surprise, surprise, he is from uh, Merseyside. Uh, I don't think that's shocked anyone there, but um, 22-year-old attacking midfielder. um, Seems to be like for like for Josh Barrett, who's had his contract terminated um, yesterday as well. Um, Do you guys see him playing in the front three, or do you kind of see him more as a midfield option in, in a midfield two Mets?
2: Uh, he's, he's definitely a, a number 10 kind of in behind the striker. Um, that kind of creative midfielder. Joey was kind of saying he's, you know, good at unlocking defences. He's got an eye for goal and set dead uh, set piece or dead ball specialist. Um, I did speak to a crew fan um, about him because I, I know in his show reel, he did a couple of lovely megs at the men against us um, last season. But uh, the crew fans... Opinion, and it's a one word, and it was dog shit. So I am highly sceptical about him, but he's only 22. So, you know, young players can, can develop. Um, he, he didn't really make any waves in the Bundesliga at all. So I'm kind of, I'm highly sceptical of him. I have to say, considering the quality we've got in that position, I am I would have broken the bank for, and weeks is going to hate me, but I'd, I'd love Ellis to come back or uh, we're in for Archer from Villa as well. Um, you know, I, I would have gone for another striker over another number 10. But if, if Joey wants him, and you know, obviously another Scouse, so he's joining the Scouse Mafia at Rovers, he's, he's got to see something in him. And at 22, you know, there's youth to work with. Maybe he can be that, that player that we needed to bring on at a Barrow to unlock a defence kind of thing. But I'm not in any way excited about him, I've got to be honest.
0: Yeah, it is a confusing one because I just don't see, if he is playing in that front three as a number 10 wide of the striker, I don't see him getting in ahead of Collins, um, Saunders, Nicholson, unless he's, you know, some kind of world beater, which by evidence of previous seasons, I don't think he is. Um, And even then we've got Sean Spence, um, who had a really decent game last night, got the assist for Sam Nicholson's opener with a brilliant bit of wing play and then a lovely cross so i just i just question whether we need that depth there um and where he's going to fit in like i said it josh barrett has gone out he's a number 10 and then we brought him in so it does feel for me like we kind of we don't want to leave ourselves too vulnerable there but i really don't think that there's anything to be worried about um and i don't see it as a signing for the future either because it's a one year deal um so yeah a bit of a confusing one that we'll we'll see how he does and we'll see how much he plays in in the coming weeks but yeah that that was one of the three signings that i kind of did raise an eyebrow at Um, but it will be one to obviously keep an eye on. The other two, Leon Clark and Junior Brown, also on one-year deals, um, a lot more experienced. Leon Clark, we've talked a little bit about already, so let's talk about Junior Brown. He's come in, he's a left-back slash left-wing-back slash left-winger, can play anywhere on that left-hand side, Um, was last at Scunthorpe last season um, on loan, and uh, is experienced, but I think he's judged to be a little bit past his best. Um, he has been brought in as cover for Trevor Clark, who's injured, obviously. Um, and I think on that basis, it's a sensible signing and there's not really much more to say about it than that. I don't think from me, uh, Matt, what do you think about this one?
2: Yeah, I'm with you um, cover, you know, as long as he's on a kind of pay as you play, I'm happy. Uh, 30 years old, best years are past him. Um, I did speak to the Ironbrew pod this afternoon about him and, they said you know much like you bit injury prone probably past his best but for a few games until Clark's but well, you know whenever he's needed until Clark's back and you know for the depth and you know he has got a promotion on his on his cv with Fleetwood uh, from when they came up into the EFL so you know a, a good kind of character to have around and you know can maybe impart some wisdom so not not a bad one for cover not at all um I'm Oh, yeah, pretty happy with it. We had a couple of questions in after we uh, put a tweet out asking
0: um, for fans to send us in some questions and Tommy C and Louis French both sent in a similar questions so I kind of compiled them into the same question. Um, I'll ask this one to you, Weeksy. Um, is there a place for Zane Westbrook in the team after we failed to move him on on deadline day?
1: Good question. When he signed, he came in with a lot of fanfare, didn't he? And Came in being, you know, the best, best attacking midfielder in League One. Um, I stand just behind behind the dugout there, and the, the general consensus seems to be that he's a bit of a luxury, um, and I'm I'm yet to see what he actually brings, um, and the fact that nobody came and took him off our hands, they go. There, but I don't think he's highly rated anywhere else either. because I don't think it would have cost anyone any money, particularly. If and if it was, it would have been a small fee. Um look, he's in our squad. I imagine he's on a he's on a, on a decent wage with us. And you know, he needs to go into it with the right attitude as you know, he might need to save his career here. I think he's in his mid twenties and you know he's got a reputation to uphold and you know, he's not gonna wanna drift even further into the background. So Maybe for those games like we had at Barrow or we got games at home, you know, when a away team comes and, you know, sits on our 18-yard box and we need someone to unlock a defence, to be fair to him, he did do it a couple of times last year, you could see he could play that killer board, just, you know, unlock something which we haven't got a lot of in the midfield. So, you know, we've got him, we're paying his wages, I'm hope, hoping you will you, you get a chance and he might prove us all wrong and um, we've been proved wrong in the past, but... um. For me, he's a little bit of a luxury player and certainly not a Joey Barton-type player. I don't think I've seen Westbrook tackle anybody. And when you're in centre midfield in League 2, you're going to have to tackle someone at some point. Um, and I think he can leave us a bit exposed. But again, it might be someone, or sorry, a game where, you know, he can come in and maybe unlock a, a defence not letting us through. So, um, yeah, that's the answer to that one.
0: Yeah, good answer as well. It's, it, it's a strange one for me because I look at him... And I look at our current first team and I just think, where does he fit in in the 3-4-3 and who does he come in in front of? Because it's not going to be in the midfield too, because Barton wants two battlers in there. And he's got that with Grant, Finley, Coots, and Whelan, um, Who's it looks like Whelan is going to probably sign based on what the Bristol Post are reporting. Um, that one's a free agent, so it doesn't need to be done by the deadline. Um then I don't think he's going to fit in in, in in those two number 10 positions up front, because as we said, we've got an unbelievable amount of depth there and players who are more naturally um, skillful on the ball to go past people and score goals. So it's just, where does he fit in? Does he, does he maybe get a go at, at right wing back? I know he played there a couple of times last season, but I just can't see that either. So I'm just questioning where his minutes are going to be uh, like if in this squad at all, it's, it's not going to be, out wide it's not going to be in that front three and i don't really see him in that midfield too so i just question you know, where you know he oh, it's a very confusing one um i don't think he fits what we're trying to do this season at all in terms of his play style and i think ideally we would have liked to have moved him on um for the wage to be freed up somewhere else i can see him going in january to be honest um i think we'll, we'll try and offload him in january um, there's got to be someone either in this league or higher who who will see him as fitting their, their, their game plan. Because for me, looking at the 3-4-3, three, three, just doesn't fit anywhere. And if you were to shoehorn him in, it would be in, in lieu of better players and more suitable players for that role. Um, another player I want to talk about, uh, we had a question in from Andy Holmes, uh, Ansi Okola. He says, when Ansi is fit, should he be automatically getting his place back? Or has James Belshaw done enough to keep his position in brackets for now, Week
1: I don't think anybody's place should be guaranteed to start with. Um, I don't think Ansi had the best start to the season, if I'm honest. Uh, when crosses were coming into our box and he didn't look overly commanding, um, flapped at a few, but um, we all know what Antsy can do and, and we have missed him in the past when he's not been in, whether that's down to him being so good there all the replacements that we had in you know last year Joe Day didn't look great when he came in and things like that but Belshaw to me he kind of looks the part he looks comfortable he's not as big as I thought he was going to be he's quite small for a goalkeeper um but he suddenly he doesn't look out of place to me and I don't think he's done anything particularly wrong either so it just depends on where you know most managers have their definite number one don't they so um no, I wouldn't automatically put Ansi back in, not, not as it stands. I don't think Belshaw's done anything wrong, to be honest.
0: Matt, have, have you seen much of Belshaw that has convinced you that maybe he's the number one for Barton going forwards? Um, you know, Ansi's obviously very injury prone as well. Do you think maybe the reliability uh, of Belshaw kind of maybe factors into his game time more?
2: Yeah, potentially. Um, I quite like Belshaw. Again, I agree with you, weeks he, he doesn't look a classic goalkeeper because he's quite short and stout kind of thing but I've been impressed with his speed off his line especially he's rapid to kind of smother smother threats his kicking's really good his distribution uh his throwing's good his kicking from his hands isn't great and obviously I don't think he's as good a shot stopper as antsy but he will come out and claim crosses I've he did a few at Barrow where through a crowd he's come out and claimed it so at the two of them it's kind of Neck and neck, I think. Um, I would shade towards Ansi. Um, just because I just really love the bloke and I just love watching him play for Rovers. But again, if he's if he's injured, and then you know, you've got that kind of period where you're coming back from an injury and you're not quite 100 percent ANSI at hundred percent for me is the number one, but ANSI at maybe eighty percent, I'm going I'm going for Belshaw, and I think that's why obviously Joey's brought him in to be that competition and belshaw you can you know he, he's gunning for that number one shirt and he wants to keep hold of it which i'm actually really happy about because it's nice to have well it's great to have competition anyway it keeps everyone at the top of their game so yeah i'm, I'm happy happy with him i'm more than comfortable with him playing pretty much the rest of the season but if ansi's 100 fit I'd, I'd definitely choose ansi over him
0: Looking ahead then uh, at September and our fixtures, no midweek fixtures, uh, all Saturday games, five games, um, sorry, four games in September and then one at the start of October. Um, we've got Crawley at home, followed by Hartlepool away, Leighton Orient at home and then Warsaw away. And that game at the start of October is Swindon at home. Um, so a good run of games now where we've got a week rest. Um Good night, Irene, 1883 on Twitter asks, do you think this September period of no midweek games gives Rovers a decent opportunity to bed in our style of play, Matt?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, right at the start of the season, when games are coming thick and fast and Button's trying to figure out his best team, like of the players that he signed And obviously we had a lot of injuries at the start of the season. You know, now's the time when you're just playing Saturdays, boom, boom, boom. That's the kind of normal normal rhythm, and he kind of said about Sammy Nix with his you know playing thirty, then thirty, then sixty, and now we've got just games on Saturdays, and that's all we've got going forward. I think it's a fantastic, yeah, it's a rhythm to get into, and obviously he's got all week to then to work with the players, the full group now that they're settled till January. Um, yeah, it just gives and it gives all the players a bit more certainty. Right, I'm here till January. I really need to buckle down and work in the week if I'm gonna get in the team on a Saturday, you know, your Westbrooks, your players who are on your fringes, they know they need to put it in, in the week, if they're going to have a chance on Saturday. And that, I mean, it's, it's perfect for them really. I think it will, it will help us a lot, bedding in everyone who needs to come in. So it, it's coming at a very good time for us, I think, just having Saturday games. I'm thinking back to last season, obviously because of COVID,
0: it started, was it, did it start a little bit later? Am I right in saying that? Or, there was It was a lot of fixture congestion for I remember all the way through pretty much till, I think we didn't have a free midweek until about late October, early November. It was such a rammed schedule. Um, so it's nice to actually see some traditional Saturday, 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 Saturday games. Um, and, you know, there's some winnable games in there. We've got you know, two home games, two away games this month. Um, Crawley at home. Crawley are a team who have shipped 12 goals in their last two away games um, six at Charlton and six at Forest Green. So, you know, Crawley one nil away winning coming. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, there's a good opportunity there to, to hit them. They're vulnerable defensively. Obviously, it's at home. Hartley pull away, they're going actually quite strong at the minute. I think they've got three wins from five. Leighton Orient also up there, but Warsaw, right down there with us in 21st. So it's a good opportunity for Rovers to maybe kick start their season here. Um yeah, so can we get some match predictions then this weekend against Crawley? Let's start with you, Wixie. How do you think Rovers are going to do? Is it going to be more misery, or is Joey Barton going to kickstart Rovers' season in
2: League Two with a win? Uh,
1: I, I think we're going to win Saturday. I I, I I feel like they're just building something like we said before. Um, Crawley got absolutely spanked in the week. Six was it Charlton six one, um, and. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking a nice, a nice 2-0 home win again, another 2-0. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll see a couple of our new sign-ins. I don't know how ready they are. They have been training with us for a couple of weeks. Um, so I think we'll probably see Pittman start again because they want that strange tendon to snap by the sounds of it. So I think they're going to wait for that to go and then that, that's when Leon Clark come in. Um, but yeah, I see a 2-0 home win incoming, hopefully. Um, i'm in the boardroom watching in the, in the boardroom on saturday so, sandwich brigade yeah yeah there better be some porn sandwiches <laughs> uh <laughs> but yeah it'd be interesting to see their point of view as well and i've already told my old man to be on his best behavior so i'm hoping for a good win i don't want uh doom and gloom on saturday but I- i'm pretty confident i think i think we'll build i think we'll build on um tuesday's win in you know, on and a, a point on the road last weekend so i'm um, if we don't do it at home to Crawley, I'm then, I'm then wondering who we're going to do it to. <laughs> um, there comes a point now where I think you're talking about our next four fixtures there. You know, after these four fixtures, I think it'll be a, a, a true uh, picture of where we are. And um, The excuses are running out thick, thick and fast for him. You know, he said that hasn't had much time on the training ground. He can get conditioning into players. He can get the way he wants to play into the players. So I'm expecting good things on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say 2-0 Rovers as well. Um, So Ashley Monaghan, who's messaged in and said, can Max Alderson be a little bit happier? Um, Life isn't all that bad. Uh, After my misery doom tweeting after the the (laughs) result, uh, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to say, you know, I actually do think Rovers have enough about the squad to at least not be bottom four this season. So, you know, Crawley, I think they're a pretty weak side. They got Tom Nichols out injured. Um, you know, I don't know if Tony Craig is, is even really playing for them at the minute either. Um, they're looking vulnerable. You know, I, I think we've got quality and that quality, regardless of tactics, does shine through, especially out wide for us. And um, I think we're going to grab a couple of goals. And for once, I think we're going to keep a clean sheet. So, yeah, I'm going to
2: agree with 2-0. Mets, let's get yours. I'm gonna go two one actually for the gas. I think we'll concede just based on form. Essentially, we can't keep a clean sheet for love the money. So, I feel like they'll probably get one. Um, but like you guys have said, I think you know the the players are they are improving bit by bit. So I feel like yeah, about time we had a home win. Fantastic. Well, I think we'll about wrap it up there, guys.
0: Um, thanks very much. For joining us and thanks very much for listening at home. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to assess whether we are climbing that table or whether we're still languishing at the bottom of the EFL basement division. Hopefully, some more smiles on faces and hopefully a great couple of games at the men with some good atmosphere with fans back. Until next time, all that's left to say is up the gas. Up the gas.
1: gas.